we've been going through um, Advent, which is just, it's a word for the coming of Jesus. Uh, so what it is, is the good news of the gospel. Um, it's God's wonderful proclamation over all of his creation that it is finished. On this season, every year, we build up to and we celebrate the same truth that Christians have cherished for 2,000 years, that the impossible, the miraculous, the magnificent truth that the only way for humanity to be with the Father is if he came to us, and he did. At the birth of this Savior, the whole of creation is beginning this process of being redeemed. God himself has come in the likeness of man to save and restore everything back to the way it was supposed to be. Sounds wonderful, but what if I feel guilty despite this? What if I feel weighted down by this holiday season because I'm more lonely than ever? What if my heart is still grieving a deep loss and Christmas really only makes it worse? What if I just woke up and debated whether or not to come because I'm just exhausted from this season? Or what if I'm receiving plenty of affirmation and love, but I know deep down that I really don't deserve it? What if I'm battling with a sin, but I'm losing hard? What if Christ has done, what, what if what Christ has done for me really doesn't mean much to me right now? Our passage is exactly for you. Luke chapter two, starting in verse one. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for what an honor and what a privilege and what an undeserved grace and mercy it is to sit before it and to sit before your words to us. 
And so we pray, Father, that you would help us. It is uh, not a work that we can accomplish on our own. You have to show us what you have for us in your word. And so I pray now that you would open our hearts and our minds to exactly what you have for us so that you can change us, so that you can transform us by another degree so that we look more and more like Jesus. God, for that to happen, it is only going to be uh, your work by your hand. And so we pray, knowing full well that you are utterly capable. You have the power to do it, Father. And so we pray to you. And in that vein, Father, if there is anything that, uh, that I say that is against your word, that is um, a complication or a distraction away from the gospel, I pray that you would remove it from our minds or I pray that you would keep me from saying it. And then if any of us think something as we are reading your word, as we are hearing your word that is contrary to you, God, we pray that you would remove it. Show us exactly what you have for us, not what we can come up with. Please help us in this time, Father. And we pray all of this in the only way that we can. In Jesus' name, amen. Does Christ still shine even in the midst of darkness? Absolutely. How do we know? Because the good news of the gospel never stops being good news. The event we celebrate of Christ's coming, we only celebrate around Christmas time, but it's always true. In the same way, the event that we celebrate of Christ's death, we only celebrate it really at Easter, but it's always true. This means that at any time, any place, any human, any age, any sanctification level, the good news of the gospel is still the good news of the gospel because we never stop needing good news. Whether you've been a believer for 100 years or 100 seconds, we all need the same grace. We all need the same good news because we are all still sinners who fall short of the glory of God. We don't somehow graduate on to sinlessness. Just because we believe doesn't mean that the darkness has been eradicated completely just yet. So here's what this means. The joy and comfort and rest and care of the gospel is not for some future version of you that's better. It's for you right now. It's for you right now. This Christmas, you can experience deeper and greater joy as you trust in him, either for the first time or the thousandth. So as we work our way back through Luke 2, we're going to answer two massive questions. The first is, what is the gospel? What is the good news? And second, what is our response? What is the gospel and what is our response? And by answering these, you and I, by the grace and love of the Father, will be able to walk out these doors with a heart that is filled, either for the first time or for the thousandth time, with a joy and a glory to give back to our Father and love to give to whoever needs it. So let's answer the first question, what is the gospel? To set up the culture, uh, we need to know something about Caesar Augustus. Uh, he was legit as a military guy. He came into power uh, when people left and right were killing each other, like in 
the power uh, room. I don't know what that's called for some reason. Uh, the guy before him was stabbed in the back by 11 of his friends. Uh, you might know the story, et tu Brutus, et tu Brute. Uh, so Caesar comes in, nobody touches him. Dude's crazy, he will destroy you. And he goes on a military rampage through the known world, doesn't lose a single battle. And we have a time in our history that we learn about in our textbooks uh, called the Pax Romana, the, the Peace of Rome. Uh, it came from this time of Caesar. But I'd like to read you a few lines that were written about Caesar, um, and you can read them along with me. This is about Caesar Augustus. The most divine Caesar, the beginning of all things, for when everything was falling into disorder and tending toward dissolution, he restored it once more and gave the whole world a new aspect. Caesar, the common good fortune of all, the beginning of life and vitality, the providence which has regulated our whole existence, has brought our life to the climax of perfection in giving to us the emperor Augustus, who being sent to us and our descendants as Savior has put an end to war and has set all things in order. And whereas, having become God manifest, Caesar has fulfilled all the hopes of earlier times. The God, Augustus, has been for the whole world the beginning of good news, gospel concerning him. Now what we can't do is look at them like they're crazy. They're simply longing for a savior. They're just so badly desperate that they made Caesar it. So it's not a foreign and far off out there concept. This is exactly what we do. We don't say it. We probably don't write it even. But this kind of worship is written on our hearts when we try and find fulfillment in anything other than Christ. Whether it's approval, anything. Oh, approval, most divine. When everything was falling apart, you restored me by showing me that other people do like me. You've brought me the highest point of my life and I trust in you alone. It's not that we are not worshipers. We are. We cannot help but worship. It's what we were designed to do. It's that we are quick to worship that which is seen and tangible because it's available and we can control it. But what about when we lose control? What about when we lose approval? If our idol that we worship is beauty, what about if we lose that? What about comfort or love from one another? What if we lose all of that? What if God takes all of, everything away that we have except for him? The good news of the gospel is that restoration and redemption and forgiveness of sins comes in the form of a savior. And it is not like Caesar. He's better than Caesar. There's no grave for us to visit our Savior. And here's why this is important. All that we are longing for and searching for in our lives is found in trusting Christ. In doing so, we now have every millisecond of fulfillment that we will ever need. In the glory of the restored relationship that we have with our Father on the basis of Jesus. And so come what may, we have redemption coming. Whether I ever get out of the darkness or not. Whether I make it out of this sickness or not. Whether I ever get famous. 
whether I'm single for five years or until I die, whether or not I get my dream job, whether or not any of my dreams ever come true at all. A life with none of my own dreams coming true is still a fulfilling life in Christ. This is the hope of the gospel. And this is the good news for those of us who are hurt and broken by, this, by our own sin and by the sin of the world. So how, how else can we deal with this sin? How else do we deal with the sin within us if we don't know we have a Savior? Either we ignore it, and we think we are too righteous and too great because we only see our good parts, and so anyone who thinks otherwise is crazy, or we see too much of it and we fall into despair because there's no way that I deserve any love at all. Both are utterly wrong because both are focused on me. The good news that we have a Savior sets us free from us so that we can focus instead on Christ. It humbles any pride I can find in myself and lifts me up from any pit I can find that I find in on my own by the love of Christ given to me. So when the shepherds show up, when the angels show up to the shepherds, they say, fear not. And I want to show you uh, a photo of why they would say, fear not. This is just an artist's rendition of it. Um, but it's not a wonderful, beautiful, oh, this is so nice, the angels are singing. Uh, yes, that is happening, but it's scary. Uh, it is beyond what we can even understand, comprehend, uh, and so they say, fear not. Fear not. Hold on. Calm down. For behold, uh, we are not the things that, that you've come here for. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so what this means for the shepherds, what this means for us, is that we are justified by faith. We have forgiveness of sins. The wrath of God that we deserve to bear is placed onto Christ and said. Redemption from guilt is ours. Freedom from slavery to sin is ours. We're saved from an eternity of torment away from God. We are given as a beautiful gift entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Though we may die, we will never truly die. Because as Christ was raised, if we share in his life and death, then we too will share in his resurrection. We will one day, finally and forever, be removed from all pain, from all death, from all darkness. And all of these are precious promises that are captured in the good news of the gospel. They are all precious promises bought by the blood of Christ for everyone who trusts in him. All of it points to the glory and magnificence of such a God who would do such a thing for such wretches. All of it points back to the object of our faith. All of it points to the Savior whom by the good news is delivered to us. In Christ, we are being made new into who we are made to be. And we are eternally secure in the process until the day we see him. Um, 
Who is the angel speaking to? Shepherds. Uh, generally, shepherds in this day were considered to be swindlers, uh, petty thieves. In fact, uh, some rabbis were upset that David used Psalm 23, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, um, because they just weren't seen as socially acceptable. And some scholars have debated that. One thing that's true about them that we all know, they were sinners. Um, But they weren't always swindlers. They weren't always the outcasts. And not all of them were swindlers, probably. But if we were to pick the people, like if we in this room got to pick, you know what, I want the good news to come through these people, we probably would not have picked them, uh, which is exactly the way the kingdom of God works. It was the sinners, not the righteous. It was the sinners, not the righteous, that the gospel was for. And it's still the sinners, not the righteous, that the gospel is for. This is wonderful news for those of us who still sin. This is wonderful news for those of us who still need hope. God met them where they were and absolutely changed everything in them by leading them to Jesus, the good shepherd. In John 10, verse 11, Jesus himself says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good news of great joy is not news of what you have to do for God, but what God has done for you. It is not good news if we have to do some stuff to be right before God because we can't do it. It's not merely the action of sin that keeps us from God, but where does the compulsion of sin within us come from? The desire, the want to, where does all that come from? It comes from within, the heart. And so if we simply curb the actions, if we don't sin outwardly any longer in ways that are socially unacceptable, then we might be able to deceive ourselves into thinking that we're good. And good people don't need good news. And so we find our greatest and deepest joy in the good news of the gospel when we are honest. When we say we are in our sin, And this is bad news. The greater we see our need for the gospel, the deeper we look at our sinfulness, the greater and deeper the joy, the astounding joy will be that the gospel is true. That the life and death of Christ are still as true for me as they always have been. Even though I see, even more so now, just how truly I am, how sinful I am. King David was a man who was described as having a heart for God. Uh, So we know that he was a man of faith, but he wasn't the greatest moral example. I don't know if the Bible has any moral example except for Jesus. Uh, He was sinful. He slept with another man's wife while he was out fighting the battle where David should have been, um, when David had plenty of wives that he could have chosen from. And he got her pregnant. And he couldn't quite fix that situation, so he had the man killed. Not a moral example. But after he's confronted of this sin, David writes Psalm 51, and he says in it, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's still there, and I still need it. 
the more and more we see how much we do not deserve this grace, the stronger we will grasp and cling to it for everything. Because it is everything. The gospel of grace has always been everything. The question is, will you take advantage of it? The good news of the gospel is not merely for moments of sin, but since we are inherently, naturally, at all times, with a sinful heart within us, then we have a well to drink from always. We have bread to fill us always and joy to feel always. One thing that Aaron Alvarado said two weeks ago sums this up well. We didn't go out and get this grace. It came to us. The only way for us to be right before a holy God is if he were to do the miraculous, to come and live and die as a substitute and sacrifice for those who were living lives against him. And then one thing that Chris said last week, we don't deserve to stand before the Father, but Jesus left that position to place us there. The good news of the gospel is simply amazing. But let's ask the question. God is perfect. So why did he come? Why not just start over? Why save any wretch at all? Why in his infinite and divine love would God give his only son? To save those who are not his kids but his enemies. Why? We see the answer with our next point. What is our response? The shepherds hear about this good news of great joy and all of a sudden the sky splits open just like the um, picture and a host of angels were gathered together and in verse 13, if you look back, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. We see as, as the angels are crying out, praising God, glory to God in the highest, there's our answer. Why did God come? Because it's not certainly for, uh, because we are beautiful, because we are awesome, because we are just so wonderful. No. The reason we are away from God is because we are not any of those things. God came because of his own glory. Why that is part of the good news is because it's not up to you. It's not up to you to be saved. It's not up to you to continue to be saved. That's God's work because it is for his glory. So what is their response? We see three in uh, the responses here, looking at verse 18. And all who heard it, this good news, wondered at what the shepherds told them. Literally, they were in awe. That's an appropriate biblical response because it should leave sinners in awe and wonder. How is this true? Have you stood before the gospel and been in awe of it? And then verse 19, 
But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Uh, A whole lot has happened to Mary in these past nine months. Uh, Surely she's confused on some level. So what does she do? She thinks. She stops to contemplate everything that this whole situation means. This baby, my baby, he's come to me to seek and save the lost. He's the sacrifice for my sins. Do you ever take time to simply think about the gospel? It is endlessly glorious. We never have things to stop thinking about the gospel. Isaiah writes about heaven, uh, and he says that we will be praising and glorifying God uh, in heaven for salvation. In heaven, where we will be perfect, we will have our perfected bodies, we'll be in the presence of God, we will still be praising him for the salvation, we'll still be praising him for the gospel. And yet we might not even give thought to it tomorrow. And then verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as had been told them. Glorifying and praising God. Now the truth is, of course, wondering and pondering our acts of glorifying God, which is the point. Our ascribing glory to God and praising him for who he is is exactly why he created us in the first place. We were to image him. We were to show his glory by simply living. When Corinthians says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, this is the idea. What does this look like? 1 Peter 4, verse 10 and 11 says this. Each of you, all the redeemed, the saints, those who believe, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, if anyone speaks, he should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised, literally glorified, through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So how do we do this? If we can get, okay, I understand, and I, I know that the gospel is true, and I know that what that means for me is that I have redemption, I have forgiveness of sins, I get that. Now what do I do? I love, I serve, I glorify God, I glorify Christ. How do I do that ultimately? By faith. The way we glorify God, remember, is simply by living. It looks a little different now that we are not in his presence. And so we live not in his presence, but by faith that one day we will be. That Jesus has secured our place with the Father. There is nothing so glorious to the Father as when his children trust him. Do you? It's one thing to hear the good news. It's one thing to talk about it. It's one thing to enjoy it, to love it. It is a completely different matter to trust it. It's a completely different matter to attach our whole lives to it. But we weren't created to save our lives. God has done that for us by giving his own life. 
And so now we're free to live for him and know that at the judgment seat, a perfect, righteous judge will stand before us and we do not deserve to stand there. And he will raise our wearied heads, strengthen our weak knees, and he will shine such glorious news to us yet again when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. I am well pleased with you. Not on the basis of what we have done, but on the basis of what Christ has done on our behalf. The good news of the gospel is God's wonderful proclamation over all of his creation that it is finished. God himself has come in the likeness of man to save and restore everything back to the way it was supposed to be. So for us sinners, hear the word of the Lord again. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So this morning, we're going to celebrate this good news. Uh, and as we do, uh, we'll take communion together is how we celebrate it. Uh, but as we do, you are holding the symbols of this good news. You are holding the elements of the gospel that Jesus has shed his blood and that Jesus' body was broken for you. And so in, in, in and as we do that, uh, if you're an unbeliever, or if you are in unrepentant sin, I ask that you would remain in your seat. First Corinthians says uh, those two would be eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. But uh, if you are an unbeliever, know that the good news is good news for you. There is a reason that God in his wisdom, in his providence, wrote for all people. It is for you if this is you. And secondly, if you, are in, uh, if you are in unrepentant sin, there is a reason God in his providence, God in his wisdom has written to all people, for all people. This still is you. The good news of the gospel is still true for you. Would you turn from your sins again? If this is your very first time uh, to ever hear the gospel, I ask that uh, you would believe. And if you have any questions about that, please find me after. But for all of us, here is our prayer in this time. Father, I thank you for coming to save me from the sinfulness I cannot escape from on my own. Would you, by this salvation, show me how I might glorify you? Would you give me faith to believe that I am securely with you in Jesus? I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So take your time to pray through whatever it is God has given you, uh, whether it is to believe, to trust in the good news of the gospel again for the first time, for the thousandth time, uh, whatever it is God has given you in his word. Take your time to pray through it, to examine your own heart. And when you're ready, the elements are at the back of the room. Bring them back to your seat and we'll take them all together here in a minute.
one more slide that I'd like to show you. Uh, Aaron Alvarado leads us through this um, every now and then. To all who... To all who are weary and long for rest. To all who mourn and long for comfort. To all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares. To all who are weak and who fail and desire strength. To all who hunger and thirst for righteousness. To all who are burdened and long for home. To all who sin and could really use a savior. The good news of the gospel is precisely for you. Behold the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. Behold the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who has come to be a friend to sinners, an ally to his enemies, a defender to the guilty, and a justifier of those who deserve wrath and have no part in waiting. It is ironic that we celebrate the most horrific act of injustice. But it is just like our God to redeem the darkness, to redeem even death itself. We know all of this to be true because of on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the never-ending, never-ceasing always present good news of the gospel that not at any moment in our lives are we separated from you as we trust in Jesus. And so, Father, we pray now that you would help us to trust even more, to have even deeper faith in you, to know who you are and see exactly why it is we can trust you. And Father, we thank you. We do sit here in this room as a group of sinners who were deserving of your wrath and even still are. And yet, such beautiful, wonderful, good news that a Savior has come. And so, Father, we thank you in ways that are going to fall short. And so will you enable us to thank you for eternity? In all of this, Father, as the angels sang, and as we know to be true, glory be to you and you alone. Help us now, Father, to glorify you as we sing back to you. 
as your creation who you have redeemed. Help us to cry out back to you in worship with a heart that knows your sacrifice. Help us now, Father. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.